Great. What an exciting day. This is so exciting. Oh, Jesus is on the throne. And prayer changes things. And as we're witnesses, God's going to do something amazing through each one of us. You guys, we are living in a very exciting season. But let me just pray because I'm just so excited. I just want to jump in. Jesus, I just thank you that you're here. I thank you that you want to encourage every heart that's in this room this morning. You want to fill them with fresh fire, fresh passion, fresh hope, fresh expectation, fresh faith. That their life is going to count and make a difference in this city and everywhere they go. So God, we pray that you'd speak right now through me, through this drain pipe. And that God, you would uh, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to talk about living out of the overflow. Living out of the overflow. You see, God wants us to be a fountain of living water, right? <laughs> he wants us everywhere we go to be pouring out the love of God. I, I've just been having so much fun lately, but I wanted to tell you a story about my mom. My mom, uh, she's now with Jesus, and yesterday uh, on the Global Outreach Day, I celebrated her second uh, homecoming, second year she's been in heaven. And... Um, and before she left, when she was 90 years old, I went to visit my sister in, Cal in, Cal in uh, Washington. And my mother from California flew up to Washington. And we had a wonderful reunion. And then we both flew home. I flew to England. She flew to um, uh, Monterey in California. So I phoned her up. I said, Mom, how did your trip go? She said, I had a wonderful flight home. It was a great day. I said, really? What happened? She said, well, I got on the flight, and I sat next, next to this lovely lady, and before long, I started talking about Jesus. And it wasn't too long after that, after I shared the story of the gospel with her, that she wanted to give her life to Christ. I'm like, Mom, that's awesome. She said, yeah. And then after that, I got on a bus. And I, I was heading uh, on the bus, you know, to, to Monterey from the airport in San Francisco. And I sat next to a lovely Filipino lady. And we had a lovely chat. And before long, I started talking about Jesus. <laughs> and then before I knew it, I was leading her to the Lord. I'm like, Mom, I'm so jealous. She said, yeah. And then I was walking off the bus. And I just happened to say to the bus driver, if you died today, do you know where you will spend eternity? He said, no, I don't. She said, would you like to know? He said, yes, I would. And she shared the gospel with him. She said, I, I told him how he could be born again. He gave his life to the Lord right there. <laughs> I'm like, mom, that's an amazing day. I am seriously jealous. <laughs> and then two months later, I'm on the phone to my mom. She said, you'll never guess who I met today. I said, who? She said, I was on the bus. And, and, I, I, was on, <laughs> and I, I, I got on this bus, and this bus driver said, excuse me, are you Virginia Calder? She said, yes, I am. He said, you probably don't remember me, but two months ago, you were getting off my bus, and you asked me, if I died today, did I know where I was going to spend eternity? And I said, no. And you said, would I like to? And I said, yes, I gave my life to Christ that day. You led me to Christ, and I've, I've been looking for you every day since because I want to thank you for this amazing life I have in God. I'm on fire for Jesus. I found a great church, and I'm heaven-bound. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's when my mom was 90. <laughs> we don't have any age. We can live a life of overflowing. We can live a life of bubbling up and, and pouring out. You see, whatever's inside is going to come out. Whatever you're full of is going to overflow. What are you full of? Are you full of Jesus? This is why we don't want to waste our time sowing, pouring in, pouring in stuff from the world. We want to be filled with the word of God. We want to be filled with the love of God. We want to be filled with those words of faith so we can overflow everywhere we go. Woo! It's just so exciting. You guys, we were out on the street yesterday. And we were praying in the morning. Lord, before we, you know, you know the team, we have a worship band. The worship band comes out, and we worship in the middle of the park. We have the most amazing time. People experience the presence of the Lord. This woman came. She was a Christian. She said, 
She said, I felt drawn. As soon as I got close, I felt this overwhelming presence. I just wanted to cry. I wanted to weep. <laughs> That's the anointing. She was just walking by. Because <laughs> we have worshipers. And then we prayed, oh God, bring people to, to you this morning who are being prayed for, who are on the Holy Spirit hit list. Like grandparents praying, parents praying for their kids. Lord, lead us. I got to talk to two, three, three girls and shared the gospel. Would you like to give your life to the Lord? <laughs> Any reason why you wouldn't want this? I just I wanted to show you my, my bracelet. And, um, and I had this chance of sharing the gospel with these girls. And I said, any reason why you wouldn't want this? And they said, no. I said, you could give your life to the Lord right now, right here. <laughs> and they did. And, and um, she said, oh, my grandmother's going to be so happy. I said, your grandmother? Yes, she's a Christian. And, we, and, and, and she prays for me. I said, she does? <laughs> we were praying this morning for the kids who have grandparents that are praying for them. She said, my, mother told me, my grandmother told me this morning when I walked out the door, she said, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Divine appointments. You see, we can live a life of overflowing. God wants to set us up. There's, there's people all over the city who are waiting for somebody to tell them about Jesus. And that could be you. God could set you up. No, I, I, I'm really, really serious. There are people waiting. I, I took a bus down to Bristol, sat next to, next to this girl. She was a university student from Bristol. I had like three and a half hours. I had a long time to talk with her. I was asking her every question I could even imagine. Finally, she said, so what do you do? I said, oh, I'm so glad you asked me. I work with young people. We go out on the streets and we ask other people destiny questions. She said, oh, really? Like what? I said, like, what do you think is the purpose of life? Oh, that's a good question. I said, I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's really hard. I said, what do you think? She says, I have no idea. No idea. I said, well, then we give out these presents. And I said, well, I, we give these presents. It's a destiny bracelet. She said, oh, I said, you can have it. She said, oh, well, um, and I said, be, I said, we give them out because every color tells a little piece of the destiny story. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yes, I would. So I said, great. Well, green represents creation. How in the beginning, God made this beautiful world. He made these beautiful trees. He made beautiful California. That's where I'm from. Beautiful beaches. He made beautiful, beautiful ri the river Cam. I said, but you know what? God didn't just want a beautiful river or a beautiful beach. He actually wanted you. He didn't have anybody in the whole world like you, and he wanted you to be his son, to be his daughter. I said to her, to be his daughter. He wants to be your father. You see, God is a father, and God is love. And love always wants to give. So God created you in order to have a family that he could lavish his love on for eternity. Do you know God like that? Do you know him like your daddy? She said, no, I don't. And I said, well, gray represents the reason why you don't. Gray represents like ashes to ashes. Something died. And when God first created Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They loved God. They lived in the garden with God. They had the most amazing relationship. God said, everything's good. Fill the earth with my love and my righteousness. Just don't do one thing. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat it, you're going to die. And they said, no worries, no worries. But the slimy serpent came in, the devil, he came in. And he said to Eve, did God really say you shouldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden? She said, no, we can eat from any tree, just not this one. Or the day we eat it, we'll die. We can't even touch it. We always try and be more holy than God, don't we? <laughs> Okay, God never said don't touch it. He just said don't eat it. <laughs> and so, but the devil said, you're not going to die. <laughs> you're going to become like God, knowing good and evil. She's like, ooh, I'd like to be wise like God. Ooh, that fruit looks good. Maybe God's trying to keep something good from me. Maybe I know better about what's going to make me happy than what God says. Maybe I'm just going to eat that fruit. Have you ever done that? I said to her, have you ever gone against your conscience? And did what you knew was wrong. But you did it because you wanted to. 
and afterwards you felt shame. That's what they did. And on that day, did they die when they ate that fruit? Do you know the story? No, they didn't die physically. But we are not just a body. We've been made in the very image of God, and God is a spirit. And on that day, their spirit died. And that's where we found ourselves today. We're dead to God. We don't know him. We don't know his love. We're dead to God. And, 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 I, and I shared, I shared, but God uh, didn't leave us like that, this red bead. You see, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. You see, God, God poured out his love through his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he healed the leper. He, he opened the eyes of the blind. He even raised the dead. And he, and he, and he came uh, to, you know, to people and they were like, Jesus, you're so good. He said, only God is good. But if you've seen me, you've seen him. And they're going, what? Emmanuel, God with us. And the religious leaders said, you can't say that. That's blasphemy. Crucify him. You deserve to die. And that's what they did. They crucified Jesus. They put him on the cross. And on that cross, God made Jesus become our sin. So we could become his righteousness. Jesus tasted death for everyone. So we'd never have to. How do I know? Well, on the cross, he cried out, I thirst because hell is a thirsty place. It turned utterly dark at noon. Why? Because hell is a place of utter darkness. And then he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would Jesus say those words? So that you and I would never have to. And after six hours, God said, it's enough. The, the price for the sins of the whole world has been paid. And Jesus cried out, it is finished, paid in full. Father, take my spirit. And they put him in a tomb. He died and, they, and, they, and, they, and he was dead for three days, but death couldn't hold him. On the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. And he came and he said, guys, go tell everyone your sins can be forgiven. You can have a clean heart. You can have a, 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 a pure you know, thinking, a clean conscience. And a pure heart, wouldn't you love that, to be holy again as God is holy? And not only, not only that, but I'm going to go back to the Father, but I don't want to leave you alone like an orphan. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and live inside of you. And your dead spirit is going to be born again. You're going to be born again into the family of God. <laughs> Woo, like living water, you're going to be filled with joy and love and peace. And then you get the gold bead. Well, we can't afford gold. But you get the yellow bead because <laughs> it's, it's a happy color. Because when you receive Christ, you, you, you receive the gift of eternal life. Whoa! Any reason why you wouldn't want that? And people say no all the time. And I say, well, I can pray right here now. And you can begin this relationship with Jesus. Just like my friend Lynn. I met a woman flying to, last week I flew to Ireland sat next to a lady from France. And uh, we got talking. I asked her all about herself. Then she asked me about me. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> I said, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I love to talk to people about the meaning of life. Have you ever thought about it? She says, what do you mean? What, what is the purpose of life? Oh, wow. Don't know. I said, well, I, I, I give people. And I shared the gospel with her. Guess what? Lynn gave her life to Christ on the plane. <laughs> Woo! She has eternal life. <laughs> yeah. And then we started praying for her husband to come to Jesus. You see, we're, whatever we're full of, it's going to overflow. And, 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 and we've got a river of life flowing out of us. You see, all, all I've been studying, in fact, we just finished the Gospel of John. We've got this, this fullness of God. From his fullness, we've all received, John 1, one blessing after another. Have you noticed? God just loves to bless you. He loves to bless your socks off. Have you noticed that? I, I, I mean, I, I had a birthday the last year, and, and I, I went home on sabbatical, and, and I, I felt the Lord was saying, 
that he wanted me to take my family to Yosemite, my favorite place in the world. And I thought, well, how am I going to do that? One, I don't have a, a, a car that's going to get me there. I don't have a tent. I don't have anything. I said, honey, I think we're supposed to go to Yosemite. So we went and we looked at how much it would cost to rent a car. $500. They had one SUV for the, for the next week. I said, well, sign me up. That was Friday. Uh, Thursday. Uh, so I got home and I'm, uh, no, it was Friday. I got home and I said, you know what? I don't think it's right. I phoned him up before five. I said, could you take my name off that? I, I, I don't think so. We went to some friend's house that night for dinner. They said, what are you going to do next week? I said, I feel God wants us to go to Yosemite. Oh, why don't you go? I said, well, we don't have a tent. They said, we have a tent? We have sleeping bags. What do you need? Air mattresses. Oh, we, we, we have everything you need. <laughs> I said, John, come tell, come tell her. She needs a, a tent and everything. And so, so then he said, yeah, I've got this and that. I have everything you need. We have a, a family of five uh, for you to go camping. I said, that's awesome. Uh, he said, how are you going to get there? I said, well, that's a tricky bit. <laughs> I don't know. He said, wait a minute. I'm going on mission next week. I don't need my SUV. You can have it. The next day, he drove a brand new SUV packed with all our camping equipment, and all we needed was a suitcase. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Okay, and then I told my phone, and that was my birthday. It was Saturday, my birthday. This brand new SUV sitting outside. I phoned my sister, Gina, you'll never guess. I'm going to Yosemite with our family, an SUV, you know, the whole thing. She said, well, Connie, that's really great, but people sign up a year in advance for camping sites. Oh, she said, let me see what I can do. She calls back. She says, I've been on the web. There's, there's one night on Monday, and there's one night on Wednesday, but they're in two separate places. I don't know what you're going to do for Tuesday, uh, and then maybe you can hope to find something when you're there. But I don't know. She said, but here's the number. I phoned the number. I said, I know this is ridiculous, but I need a campsite for next week. She said, that's strange. We just had a cancellation. <laughs> your socks off but not so that we keep it but so that we give it away so that we testify that there's a good good God up there and he really really loves you you see when you live an overflowing life you got to know that you are born again we were talking about that that's what Billy Graham he always preached you know you've got to know you're born again why why because without Christ we're dead we're spiritually dead dead as a doornail doorknob <laughs> absolutely dead and you think well I try and talk to people and they don't respond they're cold they're hard I'm like yeah they're dead that's that's how dead people are they're cold they're hard and usually they're like prone right so if they're upright that's one thing <laughs> that's something but we, but we re, re, need to realize that people are dead I remember sharing the gospel in, 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 in uh, Cambridge, you know, sometimes you have rough times. Like, like when I was sharing and they just raised the, the school fees and all the university students were picketing. They were so mad. Try and talk to people when they're mad. It's not fun. And they didn't want the gospel. And so we, tried, we did our best. And then we prayed. And then I went back to my bike. When I got to my bike, I went to get my bike key and I couldn't find my bike key. I'd lost my bike key. I'm like, oh no. This girl comes up, unlocks her bike. I'm like, well, it's good for you. You've got your bike key. I've lost my bike key. But at least I found the key to life. Have you found that key? She's like, what? Yeah, the key to life. No, no, I haven't. I said, oh, you haven't? No, what is it? I said, oh, you'd like to know? Yes. <laughs> I shared the gospel with her. It was awesome. <laughs> and so then, i like, this is so much fun. And, and then I see this Chinese man walking by. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Hi. He was kind of going fast, so I had to, like, run at him. <laughs> I said, excuse me. I said, are you from China? He said, yes, I am. I said, oh, China's amazing. I've been there. I love the Chinese people. I love China. He says, you do? I said, yes. And you know what? God really loves the China, China and the Chinese people. He's like, he does? I like, I, absolutely. He's crazy about you. How do you know? Because he's made so many of you. <laughs> they, he thought that was so funny. And I said, but do you know this God who loves you like this? Do you know him? He's like, no. No, I don't. And I gave him a track. I said, I know you're in a hurry. <laughs> I just wanted to interrupt you to give you the message of life. 
God bless you. If you read this, there's a prayer at the back. If you want to have what I've discovered, the love of God, it's changed my life. God bless you. <laughs> so I went back to my bike. I'm having a good day. And this Cambridge student comes walking by like, oh. wow, the Cambridge students here are amazing. Are you a Cambridge student? He said, yes, I am. I said, oh, wow, what do you study? He said, philosophy. I said, oh, so you're wrestling with the big questions of life, huh? He said, well, it's ethics. I'm like, oh, well, have you discovered the answer to the meaning of life? He said, well, we don't discover the answers. We only figure out what the questions are. I said, oh, well, at least I've discovered the answer to that question. He said, you have? I said, yeah. He said, what is it? I said, oh, you'd like to know? Yes. I said, well, what do you think it is? He said, well, I'm here at Cambridge so I can get a, a good degree, so I can get a good job, so I can make a lot of money and be happy. I said, oh, is that all? Would God want you to change the world? What? Yeah. God wants to bring the kingdom of heaven onto the earth, and he wants to use you to do it. And all you want is a bit of money to be happy? He says, what do you mean? And I got to share the gospel with him. <laughs> you see, this is fun. Uh, you guys, being a Christian is the most exciting, the most fun you can have. You see, people are dead, and we need to realize that, that they are spiritually dead. And without Christ, they're never going to, to, to enter the kingdom of heaven. You might say, yeah, well, they believe in God. I mean, sometimes people tell me that. I believe in God. I said, congratulations. So does the devil. <laughs> into the kingdom of heaven is to be born in. You can, you can believe in the queen. You can know all about her. You can have all her photos. You can have read her book. You can show up at the palace and say, hi, I'm home. And they say, who are you? Well, I believe in the queen. I've got her books. I've got her photos. I know all the names of the family. That doesn't make you a member of this family. You have to be born in if you're going to be royal. You see, we have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. I remember this man, uh, he was the dustbin man in Harpenden. And I just taken, we were with 170 young people and training them and pouring love into them. And we went out on the streets and I had my little team and I walk up to this guy, he's a dustbin man. And I said, hi. I said, thank you, for, thank you for making this town so beautiful. How long have you been doing this? 20 years. I'm like, wow, we really appreciate your hard work. I said, it's so important to get rubbish out. Last night, 170 young people were asking God to get the rubbish out of their lives. They were saying, Father, forgive me for all this sin, all this rubbish. And, they were, and God was cleaning them up and filling them with his love. I said, do you know God like that? Do you know this God who loves you? He says, I believe in God. I said, that's so wonderful. Did you know you could become his son? What do you mean? I said, you have to be born again. How? I shared the gospel. This rubbish collector gave his life to Jesus on the street because he, he realized he could be born again. Unless a man is born again, he'll never enter the kingdom of God. Do you know, that's what, that's what George Whitfield and John Wesley, they preached everywhere. They said, why do you keep talking about being born again? Because unless you're born again, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven because you're dead. You're spiritually dead. You see... We have the words of eternal life. That's what Jesus said to his disciples when he said, look, you got to eat my flesh. you got to drink my blood. They're like, wow. People walked away. They said, you're crazy. He turned to his 12. He said, are you two going to leave? He said, Jesus, if there was anywhere else to go, we'd be off. But you alone have the words of eternal life. You alone. We are carrying words of eternal life. Resurrection power. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Resurrection power. You guys, it's real. I mean, when my mom passed away, I was there. I wasn't there at the moment. I was, had just been there. <laughs> but I was really afraid when my mom, my best friend, was going to pass away. And, and I walked out of the room to get a break, and she and Jesus came for her at midnight. I should have known. She always had her quiet time at midnight. <laughs> Jesus came for her at midnight. And she went, my brother said he went, <gasps> it's like she saw him. <gasps> and she was gone. 
And, uh, and I, I came in the room, I'm like, oh, my mom's gone. Like, why am I crying? My mom's with Jesus! She's got resurrection life! She's dancing right now before the throne of God. We have resurrection life. We have eternal life. You guys, this is awesome. Each one of you carry words of eternal life as you release them. It releases the power of God for people to get saved. I was in the airport on my flight home. I sat ne next to Claire and next to David. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I had to ask them loads of questions, find out about that both parents were divorced, but, you know, both, you know, struggling in relationships, you know. And then finally I said, do you guys have any faith in God? And so they told me their stories. And then finally they said, what about you? Do you have a faith in God? And I shared my testimony. It was awesome. <laughs> I just dropped a seed. And then, uh, and, then, and then we were on the ground, right? So then the people in front of me, like, they turn around. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> we're Christians. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm like, I didn't share it to you. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, so, we, so we get out. We get out, right, of the plane, and, and we say goodbye to her because she had her bag, and David didn't have his bag. So we're in Stansted Airport waiting for our bags. So I thought, well, I've either got five minutes or who knows how long. So I said, David, did you know your name is just like the King David's? He was a man after God's own heart. I believe that's the destiny God has for you. And I started sharing about the Cambridge Seven. I started sharing testimony after testimony. I'm like, is it up yet? No. Hmm. David, <laughs> you might be thinking, I want a life like that. I want a life that's going to count, that's going to impact eternity. Let me tell you how. So I got my bracelet, and I said, David. And I started sharing the gospel. I shared the gospel with him. I said, you might not be ready right now, but Jesus is waiting for you. And he's going to keep loving you and pursuing you. He says, I don't know, but something's going on weird inside right now. Yeah. See, I was speaking words of eternal life, and his dead heart is starting to beat again. Like he's starting to come alive. He's starting to realize he's a man of destiny, that God loves him, that wants to save him, that he could be born again into the family of God. <laughs> we had the most of it. An hour, 45 minutes to 50 minutes. Have you ever waited for a bag that long? I said, David, I said, he said, I don't know. We, it was just right there. The plane is right there. How, it, it takes 10 minutes. I, I like, I know God is willing to have all these people wait so that you could hear that he absolutely loves you and wants a relationship with you. <laughs> it's amazing. I got to pray for him. He's going to get saved and his girlfriend. It's amazing. So, so we have the words of eternal life. Not only that, when you live a life that's overflowing, you know that you're no longer an orphan. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer alone. You see, that was the devil's big plan, was to divide us from the Father, was to bring death into our lives, because he was the first orphaned angel, right? Well, he wanted to make orphans of all of us, to separate us from God. I was a, I was a physical orphan. A spiritual, uh, the Bible says that an orphan is one who does not have a father. And I didn't, my father died when I was three weeks old. He was a surgeon, caught a staph infection from one of his patients. He'd had a weak heart because of rheumatic fever as a child. He was, he, he was getting better, and then his, his, his friend, his, doc, his doctor friend, went for holiday, and another guy took over, switched the medication, and it was irreversible, and three days later, he died. And so I grew up without a father. And all I wanted in life was a daddy who was going to love me, who was going to affirm me, speak me into life, call me into life, to tell me that I could do it, that I was beautiful, that I was loved, that I was precious. And I didn't have that. I had this huge vacuum, in, in this gap in my heart. And, and uh, then my mom, when I was eight, you know, I, she used to date, and I'd sit on their laps hoping, poking, is he going to be my daddy? Nope, don't like him. I don't want to see him anymore, mom, you know. And finally, she married one of them that I didn't like, broke my heart. A month later, she dropped me off and my brother and sister at a Christian summer camp. And there, for the first time, I heard there was a God in heaven who loved me, who wanted to be my father. And I ran to the front. I said, I want Jesus. I want God to be my dad. But he wouldn't want me. I'm a rat bag. 
And they said, no, that's just why he died on the cross, is to make you brand new. And that day I gave my heart to Christ. My brother and sister did. They, they took me, my mom picked me up a week later, took me home. After three days, my stepdad said, where's the kid you, kids you took to camp? These are not the ones you brought home. What's happened to them? She said, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. She phoned the pastor. Pastor, what's happened? This is a new pastor. We just started going to this church. We'd never really been to church. And, and she said, can we come and talk to you? What's happened to our kids? They're changed. He said, they've been born again. They've become Christians. You, you too need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And they did. And we all got baptized. That was when I was eight. I got filled with the I can't help us at nine. I've never recovered. And you, and you see, you see, I was sharing this yesterday to a, a gal on the street. I won't say her name and her, 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 her guy friend. And, uh, and something was warming in her heart. And then I turned to her. I said, I, I said her, any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus today? And he said, well, this is so new to us. I've not really heard this before. I said, okay, well, as, you, as you're on this journey, God will show you and reveal himself. Let's just pray for you that God will reveal his heart to you. Then afterwards, she turns to me and she said, it's so wonderful how you found God because I, my father died when I was 14 years old. And then the tears start flowing down her face. And I said, you don't have to be an orphan anymore. You can know God. He wants to be your father. And he promises never to leave you, never to forsake you. Isn't God amazing? You see, people are hungry. They're open. They're waiting for somebody to tell them that there's a good God in heaven who loves them and wants to be their father. How are we doing time-wise? I have no idea where we are. <laughs> okay, are we still good? On May 26th, um, <clears throat> yesterday was Global Outreach Day, and, and on the first one that I celebrated here a couple years ago, uh, we, when we started using gospel bracelets, we, 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 we had a training day at uh, St. Andrews, and before it even started, this man, they have a cafe, this man wanders in off the street, and his name was Mario. He had just been kicked out of his home the night before. His wife said, I don't want you anymore. I found somebody else. Get out. And he was from Guernsey. He drove all night. He came, came here, had no place to be. His friend, his only friend he knew in Cambridge, wasn't home. So now he was like homeless. He was walking the streets. And, and so we had 70 young people on this, on this outreach. And they, they see him, and they invite him in, and they share the gospel. This guy gets saved before we even start the meeting. <laughs> He's out on the street with us holding sign, free, free prayer. And he comes back that evening and then to our meeting, and he didn't have a place to say. I'm like, honey, can he come? Yes. He comes, spends the night. We bring him to church the next day and out for the picnic and then to church in the evening. That night, we're worshiping, and tears are streaming down his face. I said, Mario, this is the love of the Father. And at the end of the meeting, he said, Connie, he said, I was, he was Portuguese. I, I was so, so very lost. But now, now I'm, I'm, and I said, found? Yes, found. Now I'm found. <laughs> he phoned me a week later. He said, Connie, I had to just phone you and tell you, I'm not alone anymore. I'm not alone. See, there are people that are alone right now. And God wants us to be their friend. He wants, he doesn't, he, he wants to set them free from being orphans to being people who are loved. You see, in our ordinary life, God is setting us up all the time for divine appointments. All the time. He's bringing people to sit next to us on a bus or on a train or somebody waiting in a long line that isn't moving. Just, just to sow a seed, just to bring a word of encouragement all the time. And, and, and so we just have to be aware of that. Like Jesus, John 4, Jesus came to the woman at the well. It was the middle of the day. She was getting water, right? Because she was very unpopular. I mean, you would be too if you had five husbands from one small village. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> right? Okay, so there she is getting water in the middle of the day by herself. And Jesus said, excuse me, woman, could I have a drink of water? 
And she's like, what are you doing asking me? I'm a Samaritan, and I'm a woman. You guys hate us. You hate Samaritans. <laughs> you don't like. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who was asking you for water, you would have asked him. And this water would become in you a spring welling up to eternal life. She's like, give me that water. <laughs> if people only knew, you see, if people only knew, but we are carriers of living water. It says in his presence is fullness of joy. You see, we have, a, we have a river of living water flowing out of us. Psalm 46 says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation where the most high dwells. There's a river that keeps bubbling up to eternal life. It wants to overflow as we open our mouths. Ezekiel saw this river. It was flowing right from out from under the throne, from under the altar. On that altar where Jesus put his blood. His blood was poured out. And water. Remember when they, when they pierced him on the cross? What flowed out? Blood and water. There are rivers flowing right now from the very throne of God to, to bring water to the thirsty. And you are the fountain hose. You're the source of that. Jesus, Jesus isn't here anymore. He's left it to you and me. He's given us the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That was, we call it the great commission. It wasn't the great suggestion. You see, we've, we, 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 can, we can say, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors. It sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Springing up a well, splish, splash. Right? Everywhere we go, we just want to splash on people. Everywhere. Because <laughs> God wants us to. Oh, if you only knew the gift of God. That's what Jesus said to her. If you only knew, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we're carrying. We're carrying that. We're carrying invitations. Paul said, I'm a debtor. He, he told Rome, uh, uh, I'm coming to preach to you, and then I want you to send me on. And I'm indebted. I'm a debtor to everybody, Jew or Greek. What does he mean by that? That means God has entrusted him with a message of salvation. It's not just for him. It's for them. God's entrusted you with that same message. It's not for you to keep. It's for you to give away <laughs> and have fun doing it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. And finally, if you want to be an overflowing person, you, you, you have to live in the love of God. You have to have a revelation of the love of God. You see, it says in John 1, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Son, came from the bosom of the Father to make him known. Jesus was, was in the bosom of the Father. He came from the very heart of God to make him known. You see, if, if, if you want to be that overflow person, you need to know how dearly you're loved by God. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself to him. He goes on to say, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and we will make our home in him. Do you know what that means? That means that I am and you, we are mobile homes. <laughs> we're carrying the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we're a mobile home. And everywhere we go, we can bring this invitation. Come and be part of the family. Come on home. Because God, the Father, loves you. And, 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 and uh, it, you know, so for us to, we got to live in that. Ephesians 3 says, be filled to the fullness of God, right? Get a, get a revelation of this love that is so high, so wide, so deep, so long. This love that will overwhelm you. 
Jesus' final prayer in John, John 17, 23. He said, I in them. He's praying to the Father. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you have sent me and that you love them just as you have loved me. Whoa! He wants us to be one so that the whole world will know that Jesus is real, that God sent him, and that, that the same way God loves Jesus, he loves us. He loves them. That's what our unity, togetherness is supposed to release to the world. Wow. Because God wants everyone to know him. How much does the Father love you? He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. <laughs> Whoa, if that doesn't put some bounce in your step, I don't know what will. <laughs> I'm loved. I'm loved. I was telling, <laughs> I, I, I was on the street one day. We, we had a prayer meeting at one of the churches um, on Mill Road. And I, and I walked, and we were walking out with my friend uh, Nick, and I said, Nick, do you have any time to talk to people about Jesus? She said, oh, yes, I do. I have about an hour. I said, great. Just before we left, there were these red hearts sitting on the side. I'm like, oh, they use those at the family church. And they're, they're done with them. Let's take them. So we took this pile of red hearts just on a piece of paper, right? We thought, this is going to be fun. And so we walk up to these two guys. They're walking down the road. We said, hi, here, have a red heart. I just want to remind you that you are dearly loved by God. And they're like, cool, nice. Thanks. You know, and they walk on. I'm like, okay, all right, we're warming up. A car pulls up at the stop sign. I knock on the window. Hi. He rolls it down. I said, here, here's a red heart. I just want to tell you, you are dearly loved by God. He thinks you're amazing. Have a great day. It's green. Bye. And, uh, and then these two, these, this girl is walking down the road. So I go up to her and I said, hi, I want to give you this red heart. I want to tell you how much you're loved. And, uh, and she said, what? I said, well, I don't know if you've heard lately, but you are dearly loved by your Father in heaven. She's like, uh, well, I'm an atheist. I said, oh, so you haven't heard yet. Well, let me tell you, God absolutely loves you. He thinks you're amazing. He thinks about you all the time, and he absolutely loves you. She's like, wait, I don't agree with this. I said, agree with what? She said, well, how would you like me to stand on every street corner and shout out, there is no God, there is no God. I said, well, if your belief in that has filled you with so much love that you can't contain and so much joy that keeps bubbling up, then by all means, stand on every street corner and shout it out because that's how I feel. I've been loved by God, and I can't keep it to myself anymore. <laughs> she said, okay, okay then, all right. And then she turns and walks off. So we sit down and we're like, oh God, oh God, just drop a love bomb on her. Get her good. So then we start witnessing again. We're talking to these two guys. And I get it. Five minutes later, I get a tap on the shoulder. I turn around and there she is. I'm like, you've come back. She said, yeah, I know. I had to come back. I'm like, why? Because I've never met anybody who has passion like this before. Will you tell me what it is you want to tell me? I want to know. <laughs> Atheism cannot compare to Christianity, to a relationship with God. We got we to gotta know that. We got to be confident in the love of God. It can change a life. It can heal a broken heart. It can solve the greatest sickness on earth. It's not cancer. It's loneliness. Mother Teresa said, and she knows, <laughs> and that we have the cure to that. Like I was telling these two young guys, Finn and Richard, on the street uh, yesterday. Yeah, that God, that God uh, wants to cure that, that great sickness of every heart so that we're never alone. We're never alone. Once I gave my heart to Christ, I was never alone again, not for an hour, a moment, a second. God has been with me. And I said, he'll be your father, and he'll love you every moment as well. We've been given this amazing gift. So what would keep us, what keeps us 
from going out and telling people about Jesus? Well, I, I, I've discovered that fear seems to be a big problem. And people get, get stuck on it. Um, it trips them up. In fact, the fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. Have you ever run through a forest? wonder if you ran through a pile of, of, of leaves and in it was a bear trap. And that thing would go snap on your leg. Would you be going anywhere? No. Because that fear has got a grip on you. What is the fear, man? It's caring more about what people think. It's wanting to please them, not wanting to offend them. Afraid of what they might think or say. Guys, that's the fear of man, and we need the fear of the Lord. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So if you've got one, the good news is you don't have to keep it. You can get rid of it. Because God, God gave us a spirit of adoption, of sonship. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit that cries out, Daddy, Abba. That same spirit that overcomes the world, that's in you. God gave you faith to overcome the world. Do you know, I, I was teaching last week on evangelism in Ireland, and I was saying, guys, Christians are so afraid of being persecuted. We're so afraid somebody might get upset that we tell them that Jesus loves them. We're so afraid that we don't say anything. We're so afraid we might offend somebody because they're another religion. That we don't, you know, we're afraid they might get angry or they might. Guys, I said, Matthew 5 says, blessed are you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Because for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We are trying so hard to live a life where we won't be persecuted, where we won't people won't insult us or reject us. Guys, we're robbing ourselves of treasure in heaven. You see, evangelism, it's a win-win situation. If you share the gospel and they get saved, glory, glory. You've got a soul in heaven. If they reject you, praise the Lord. I got treasure in heaven. I remember my, my girls coming back from school and they're like, Mom, Mom, it was so hard. I told them about Jesus. And they were like, well, I think that's a load of rubbish. I, I don't like you as a friend. Two of my, girl, my, my daughter's friends said, we don't, now we know. It's, it's, we knew there was something different about you. Now we know it's Jesus. We don't, we don't, we don't want you to be our friend anymore. Yeah, they were, they were out at, at the fair. And these girls were like, ooh, bracelets. Ooh, no one's looking. Take one, I'll take one. She's like, she's like either pay for them or put them back. Come on, guys, let's get out of here. And they're like, oh, and later they realize, oh, it's because you're a Christian, isn't it? Well, we don't want you to be our friend. And I said, honey, rejoice. You've got treasure in heaven. It's a win-win situation. I don't want to arrive to heaven empty-handed, do you? You see, I'm an evangelist, but I didn't know until I was uh, in, 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 um, in YWAM. I didn't know. But they sent us on outreach, told us to preach the gospel. I did, and people got saved everywhere I went. And they're like, you're an evangelist. I'm like, no, Billy Graham's an evangelist. I'm just a drain pipe. But I realized I, I'm an evangelist. But the evangelist's job is not to do all the witnessing. That's your job. Our job is to say you can do it, and this is how. Just make yourself a bracelet. <laughs> We're going to let you make yourself a bracelet, and, you're, and, you're, and then you can practice sharing the gospel. And just keep practicing. You see, it's our job to be good at telling the gospel story. That's not their job. That's our job, okay? And, and, and there is a harvest out there in Cambridge, I tell you. 
Just like Jesus said, come on, the harvest is plentiful. He saw the crowds. He was moved with compassion. He said, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will thrust out laborers into the harvest field. That word thrust out is ekabalo. That's the same word for drive out. He used it for demons. Driving them out, kicking them out, casting them out. Jesus used that same word, pray. You see, we don't have a, a harvest shortage. We have a laborer shortage. And Jesus said, pray. The answer is prayer. Prayer that the Father will thrust out laborers into his harvest field. Because why? God's compassion is violent. He loves with a most fierce love. It's fiery. It burns like a most vehement flame. Many rivers can't quench it. Waters can't wash it away. That's how he loves each and every one of us. When I got that revelation, I thought, how can I keep that to myself? When he loves that person as much as he loves me, and they have no clue because no one's ever bothered to tell them. I'm like, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> you can tell them because we have a river of life flowing out of us. So today, should I just recap? The green represents creation. Green for trees. Because in the beginning, God made this beautiful world. But he didn't just want a beautiful tree. He wanted you. He wanted you to be his son, to be his daughter. He didn't have anybody like you. And he wanted to spend eternity with you, pouring his love on you as your father. Do you know him like that? I always ask, because then I find out who I'm talking to. Well, no, I'm an atheist. Well, no, I'm agnostic. No, I'm Buddhist. No, I'm Muslim. Okay. Well, let me tell you why you don't have that relationship with God. The gray represents, like ashes, something died, and it happened in a garden. The first man and woman God made, they made to walk with him and to, and to follow him. And God said, everything's good. Just don't do this one thing. Don't eat from this tree. The day you eat it, you'll die. And like you and me, we always do what we know we're not supposed to, don't we? We always try and get away with it, and that's what they did. And it brought death, not just to them, but to the whole race. That's where we are today. We're dead because we're not just a body. We're a spirit because God is spirit. We're made in his image, and our spirit is dead through sin. So we don't have that relationship with God. But God didn't want us to stay in that death separated from him by our sin. So the red bead, love of God. God so loved you, he sent Jesus to tell you how to get back home. And Jesus ultimately, after healing the sick, he gave his life on the cross. But that was to pay the death penalty for the sins of the whole world. God took it on himself so that you wouldn't have to so that you could be forgiven and go free. It's finished. And I always share those stories about the cross. But then I say they put him in a tomb, but death couldn't hold him. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. The white bead. He said, you, you can have a clean conscience. You can have a pure heart. All your sins can be forgiven. I've done it. And not only that, I'm going to go back to the Father, but I don't want to leave you like an orphan, which is what people are. They have no idea why they're here, where they've come from, or where they're going, they're lost. Whenever we're cut off from our Father, we don't know who we are. We're having a huge identity crisis in the world. Have you noticed? People don't know what they are or who they are because they've been separated from the Father. They're orphans. And Jesus said, I don't want to leave you like that. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and live inside of you, and your dead spirit will be born again. You'll come alive again in the family of God. And then you get ooh, the happy bead because when you receive Jesus, you receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Pretty great, hey? Then I say, any reason why you wouldn't want this? Crucial question. Put it in their court. This is the gospel. What about you? Jesus did everything so you could have eternal life. What about you? What about today? People get saved all the time. Isn't that exciting? You can do this. Let's deal with fear. Who struggles with fear? Yeah, there's a few honest people. The rest are too afraid to put their hands up. 
Just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, should we just should we just deal with fear? Why don't you just right now say, Father, I'm so sorry. Father, I'm so sorry that I'm afraid of what people think of me. I'm afraid of offending them. I'm afraid of being rejected. Father, I'm sorry when you've given me perfect love. Today, I change my mind about agreeing with that fear. And I turn away from it today. And I ask for your blood to cleanse me right now. To wash me clean from the fear of man. Thank you that you will do that. You're doing it now. I no longer have to be a slave to it. So let's stand up as sons of God in the love of God. Let's just stand up. And then we're going to do battle against the spirit of fear. We've got our authority back. We're on the cross ground. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. We are not a slave to fear. So now let's, the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. It's a spirit of fear. Jesus said, whoever sins becomes a slave to it, but he whom the Son sets free will be free indeed. So, Father, I thank you. Could you repeat after me? <laughs> that I don't have to be a slave anymore to this fear. I submit to your lordship. And I take authority over the spirit of fear. And in the name of Jesus, I command fear, get off my life. I break agreement with you. That people will reject me. That people will hate me. That people might hurt me. I, I, I break agreement. That people don't want to know. That they don't want to be interrupted. That they don't want to hear this message. Those are lies from the pit of hell. And I break them off of my life now. In the name of Jesus, I break agreement with that spirit of fear. And I put you under my feet. And I stomp on you in the name of Jesus. Ooh, thank you, Lord. You said you gave us power over all the enemy. And we take that authority now in Jesus' name. And we break agreement with every national spirit of the F British Reserve. Yes. And we repent of it. Yes. And we receive forgiveness for it. And now we break agreement with British Reserve. Get off me in Jesus' name. Every, every national spirit that's put us in a box, we break agreement with it now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord. That you have not given me fear, but you've given me a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. I replace it now woo, with your love. Thank you, Jesus, for perfect love drives out all fear. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your courage. Woo, I'm going to be your ambassador. Just speak it out. I'm going to speak for you, Jesus. You can count on me. I'm entrusted with the gospel. You will find me trustworthy. I, I will preach the gospel. <laughs> and I will lead people to Jesus. I have a destiny. I have inheritance to give to Jesus on that day. Oh, God, use me. Use me to populate heaven. Yeah, and so, Father, right now, would you seal your work in our hearts? We just say yes to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. You've chosen us, each one of us, to be that ambassador. As though God were speaking right through us.
It says, we plead with you on behalf of him, be reconciled to God. Because God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on your behalf so you could become the righteousness of God. So now's the time, and today is the day of salvation. We believe it, seal it in our hearts, and God, may we see your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.